I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I hit the road with the young bear man up through the Texas panhandle, the northeast corner of New Mexico, the entire state of Colorado. Saw my boy, Nate Smith, up in his spot, I think in Indian Hills, Colorado. It was gorgeous. And then through the entire state of Wyoming, and then through Montana. We hit uh, Montana. I think we came up just east of Billings, stopped in Billings. If you're ever in Montana and you stop in Billings, you have to eat at the Sassy Biscuit Co. It will blow your fucking mind. I had a gluten-free biscuit with gluten-free sausage gravy that changed my life. Honestly, I was in disbelief. I was like, there's no chance this is gluten-free. It tastes better than any biscuit I've ever had, and it turned out to be gluten-free. But I'm just saying, if it was not, I still would have eaten it. It was that good. And uh, we stopped there on our way back in Billings. We spent time at Bozeman. We got the Go Fast Camper Shell. They're not a sponsor, but these guys are fucking rad. Um, Matt Vincent, my boy, fellow outdoorsman. Um, he's got a, a similar Tundra, and it's all decked out, so I'm, I'm always geeking out on his Tundra, saying, like, oh, man, what should I do here? What should I do there? I like this pop-up tent you got, and he's like, well, if I could do it over again, I'd probably go with these guys. So he told me about GFC, and... Um, they used to do white glove delivery. They do not, even though it was on their website. So I ended up, uh, this is the only time I could come. These guys are very busy. <clears throat> I said, let's make a road trip with the Bear Man. So it was dope. We went up. We drove through a ton of snow. It wasn't bad. I mean, I was going like 86 and an 85 with zero degrees in Bozeman, uh, on, the, on the way to Bozeman through Montana. No issues at all. No ice on the road. No nothing. And... Um, on the way back, though, that was a different story. On the way back, I had, I, it was kind of like Forrest Gump when he describes the rain. That's how I describe the snow. We had every type of snow. In fact, there was it was. I thought I had an education in driving in the snow during the snow apocalypse last year here in Austin. That was that was a joke. <laughs> that was a complete joke. Now it was different because, of course, here they didn't have. Uh, we don't have snow plows. We don't have ice on the road. That kind of stuff. So. Truthfully, <clears throat> it was good prep having that that stint in Austin. But there, man, zero degrees. When we got back to the, uh, well, let me just talk about that. We we spent New Year's Eve at my boy Nate's house on the way back in Colorado. They had a massive storm coming in, and one thing that surprised me was, you know, Texans aren't used to it. Not in South Texas. There's no there's no snow here. It's like the worst snowstorm in 30 years. And for further details on that, check out my podcast with Dane Wigington. But back to this show. Um, one thing that was concerning during the snowpocalypse was how many people were out on the road with like regular ass cars. I've had a Honda Civic before. I've never driven a Honda Civic in the snow for, for many good reasons. <clears throat> and yet many people in Honda Civics decided they were going to take their fucking car out in the snow. And I watched cars slide off the road at a 90-degree angle, completely perpendicular to the road. Cars were just sliding off the sides, and I was like, no, man, y'all can't do it like that. That's not the move. That is not the move. Stay at home. Do whatever you Stay at your friends. Stay wherever you were until this thing clears up. Anyways, it was frustrating to see how many people needed help, and at the same time, it was awesome to be able to help others. You know, we had a lot of people. My boys were grounded. Nate was staying at my house during the snowpocalypse. And, uh, you know, the, all the feelings of tribe, Sebastian Junger's work, 
came up, being able to provide for people and having the, the apocalypse uh, uh, pantry fully stocked. You know, we never ran out of food. We ate like kings. We slept, ate extra people. It was awesome. Fast forward this year, it's New Year's Eve, and we're driving just outside of Denver, and what do I see in Colorado? A ton of fucking Honda Civics. I'm like, there's no chains on the car. I'm like, what is happening right now? I'm, am I still in Bizarro World? Clearly, I'm in Bizarro World. But you just look at the fucking world events to understand. We are in Bizarro World. Um, but I was like, this is Colorado. People ought to know. Y'all get snow every year. Y'all get snow multiple times a year. Like, what is happening right now? And um, sure enough, I mean, the roads were extra slick. Semis were hitting each other. They'd closed. I mean, two semis bumped into each other. It wasn't a big wreck, but it closed three lanes. And so we all got filed into one lane and it was so slick. I was worried that if I came to a complete stop, my truck would start to slide down the hill. I'm going uphill at like three miles an hour. And I'm like, please don't stop. Please don't stop. Bears asleep in the back. Uh, we ended up making it to his place. We weren't sure if we were going to stay. I mean, it snowed all night. Um, but they do have snow plows. They've got, you know, an infrastructure for that. And the roads were easy enough to drive on slowly, 20 miles an hour, until we got to the main highway to make my way out. The entire state, this is what was crazy. From the north border to the south border, the entire state was snowed on. I was like, damn, it never let up through the entire state. When we cut through that northeastern tip of New Mexico, that was the worst snowstorm I've ever been in. That was one where it was like, uh, I think I need to pull over and stop, but I'm nervous I won't be able to get out. That kind of snow. And so I'd slowed way down. It was completely white, like full-on white out, really high winds. And I threw on my shooting glasses um, for the range, you know, protective glasses that are for the range. And I put those on, and that actually gave me, instead of one car length of visibility, three car lengths of visibility. So this was dope. I was super pumped about that. Um, we made it through New Mexico safely. We got to the Texas, the, the northernmost point of the Texas panhandle. And, uh, and I'm like, great, we're in Texas. The snow's going to vanish. And sure enough, the snow had vanished. But it was still 11 degrees. And uh, we got out at our first gas stop. And there was a 25-mile-per-hour wind. So feels like minus 11. I was like, damn, this is colder than Bozeman. Bozeman was zero degrees, but no wind. I was like, holy shit. This is cool. And now for people that are listening to this from uh, Minnesota or Canada or something like that, they're like, fuck off. You never, you know, Californian, living in Texas, whatever. Um, it was cool. I loved the experience because all road trips are inevitably an adventure. And um, I think getting a go fast camper shell in the back of my truck, you know, which has the accordion tent pop up, um, your bed's always made. You know, I got a, a super dope camping uh, comforter for two people that goes in the back from aeronaut really cool they're homies with the guys at gfc it's like 750 gooseville uh rated to 30 degrees celsius i could or 30 degrees fahrenheit and if if it's colder than that i'll just put on my hunting gear underneath it and then throw that on top but i want to have this thing so i can go hunting anywhere texas new mexico colorado wherever i'm going to drive to for the hunt you just know i can pop my tent up it takes two seconds to pop the tent up and get anything, literally two seconds. Um, so super good investment. I'll also be able to protect all my gear in there. And I think about all the adventures that that's going to bring, especially for my son when he starts hunting with me. And, and uh, you know, just it's, it's the, the thing that Matt Vinson taught me is when you make it, when you make camping convenient, you make the outdoors convenient, then you just say yes to it. You're like, fuck it. We got nothing planned this weekend. 
let's go over to this place and, and grab a camping spot and just hang out at the water or go, go hike this mountain. And um, I love that. That really, that really gives me, um, what does it do? It just, it, it, it gives me a feeling of like, fuck yeah, I can do anything. It's like an expansive feeling. Like, yeah, let's get, we can hit the road right now and just, and just find a spot. And we'll make the most of it and have fun. Now we did not. My son had a little tickle in his throat. Uh, I was not trying to camp with them at zero degrees at night or <laughs> some type of wind chill, whatever that is. Um, so we just, we just stayed at Nate's on the way back and then drove back the next day. It's like, you got to tack on three or four hours. All parents know this. Any road trip that's a 15 hour drive becomes 18 to 19. If it's a 12 hour drive, it's 15 or 16, that kind of shit. But we really listened to one of the Harry Potters. He listened to the alchemist by Paulo Coelho for the first time and loved it. Maktoub. Maktoub has been stuck in my head. It is written. I'm thinking about that. Uh, I'm in book three of Dune right now. Um, I think the last one, the last solo cast I did, I talked about the importance of Dune. And it's really, you know, the, it's what Star Wars should have been. It is the story of the Christ. It is the story of the, the Ascended One. It's Neo and the Matrix. It's all these things rolled into one. And, and they don't beat around the bush with the spiritual teachings. They really just lay it out. and. Um, if you like the movie, the book is just so much more expansive. So, and if you're like me and you like to have it given to you so that's effortless, just throw your headphones on at night before bed and let the audible play. And it's so fucking good. The, uh, you know, the movie finishes halfway through book one. The ending of book one is jaw-dropping. It's so good. And then book two starts off 12 years after the ending of book one. It doesn't give anything away. And book two is rad, and that's the shortest of the six. And I'm like, I, 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 I was kind of wondering here. I was like, I, I don't, I've never finished a series of books like this other than Harry Potter with Bear. And now I know, unless, it, unless the, the, the show jumps the shark at some point, I'm going to fucking finish Dune. Book three has not let me down in the least bit. Children of Dune is fucking phenomenal. Um, and I like that. I like entertainment. The, the world is challenging enough to not be entertained, to not have um, someone else come along and tickle you. And art tickles us. Art is a way to see um, beauty, and beauty is a way to see the truth. And art, truth, beauty are all synonyms for God. And I want to see as much of God as I can in a world where it seems that we see quite a bit of darkness. Many of you have heard me talk about uh, the darkness in that Red Pill solo cast. I will be having David Icke on this podcast. I think he's coming up next. We're recording January 10th via Zoom. I'm going to get that out on the 12th, I believe. And um, I think that is the next episode here. What I'm going to try to do is, is really get him to dive into consciousness because of every spiritual teacher I've ever learned from, whether it's Eckhart Tolle, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, any of these guys, any, you know, the wise ascended mass Ram Dass becoming nobody, any of these great guys, David Icke has that understanding. David Icke has, in my opinion, his ability to articulate the divine uh, is as good as any spiritual teacher on the planet. And simultaneously, he understands the degree of control and darkness that it is in the world currently uh, to a level that most people shy away from. I think that's a nice way of putting it. Most people don't want to see. 
what he's offering. And the unfortunate piece is that he has been so correct over the last 18 months, way ahead of time, 30 years ahead of time. And so um, I've fought wanting to have him on this podcast. I remember Luke's story had him on and I was like, not yet. I don't know if my audience is ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to agree with not everything he has to say, but with the majority of the things that he has to say. And the longer quarantine lasted, lockdown lasted, the longer the fuckery lasted, uh, watching hydroxychloroquine get swept under the rug, watching ivermectin get swept under the rug, watching the, the media come out and you know, <laughs> you're talking about uh, a medication that a Japanese scient- scientist invented and won the fucking Nobel Prize for. And CNN is calling it horse medication simply because it also has use with horses and other animals. Um, seeing all that, you know, waking up and really acknowledging what I see on TV, what I'm reading on social media, the police state that has become uh, the internet. It is an absolute police state. And furthermore, it's not just the freedom of speech. It is... Um, Absolute freedom. It's quarantine camps being built out in Australia and other countries. It's the countries that don't have the right to bear arms. It's the countries that surrender their weapons. It's the countries where they cannot stand up for themselves, where we see an undeniable full court press from what can only be described as the deep state or a one world government. Now, it's possible that one world government has already formed and we're just seeing the last little... Um, song and dance of what democracy, democracy could have been or what democracy was supposed to be. There is no doubt that a technocracy runs the show. There is no doubt that a cryptocracy or a corporatocracy rather runs the show. And David Icke's really going to break that down. But just as I tried in this last uh, New Year's podcast um, to really bridge the light with the dark, don't forget it, you know, the law of polarity works as such. Any problem that is witnessed, a, a solution, if not many, multiple solutions, already exists by definition of the law of polarity. In order for duality to work, and we do operate in duality here, the second we recognize a problem, understand, even if you don't know it yet, the solution already exists. So being solutions-oriented and wanting to redirect people into how we take the power back into our own hands Uh, I'm going to do a podcast today in which I really break down the why behind this immersive that Eric Godsey and I are going to do at the end of this month here in uh, in Lockhart, Texas, about 30 minutes south of Austin at at the new Spirit Farm or whatever the fuck we're going to call it. (laughs) No name for it yet. Maybe it doesn't even need a name. Um, But this is Fit for Service's first immersive. We're going to dive deep into that. And, uh, and I am going to, to press Ike in this fall, you know, next week's podcast into really delivering what is humanity's salvation? What is the way that we step back into sovereignty? And what is the way that we truly come to remember the full remembrance of our divinity? Because from there, no one can fucking touch us, plain and simple. Um, all right, it's my ramble. We're brought to you today by EdenHemp.com. Hemp.com, Edenhemp.com, Hemp.com, 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 Edenhemp.com, Hemp.com. Think white rice versus brown rice. 
super seeds are hemp hearts before they have the shell removed. The super seeds simply keep the outer shell on the seed, which add to the crunch, fiber, and loads of micronutrients such as such as magnesium, zinc, and iron. Mag zinc and iron. Magnesium, zinc, and iron. Hemp.com. Eaton Hemp is a farmer-owned hemp portfolio company out of Upstate New York, focusing on using all of the powerful benefits of hemp to create superfood products. They offer delicious and nutritious farm-to-table certified USDA certified organic hemp food products, including toasted hemp seeds and hemp hearts. Their products are a tasty addition to just about anything, including smoothies, salads, or your favorite recipe. Uh, I like it in my yogurt along with some berries. Not only do they boost the flavor, but they add a protein and fiber punch, omega-3 boosts, and of course the micronutrients mentioned above. Hemp.com. Eaton Hemp stems from the first farmed license to grow hemp in New York State. In over 80 years, as a brand, they focus on using every part of the hemp plant. Their goal is that nothing goes to waste. They'll soon be launching products using every bit of the plant. Stay tuned. USD certified organic is super important when it comes to hemp because hemp is a phytoremediation plant, so it sucks up whatever is in the soil it is grown in. You can rest assured it is grown in the finest soil free of toxins, pesticides, and heavy metals. Supporting organic hemp farmers across America to plant more hemp, which will significantly reduce their carbon footprint, rejuvenate the soil, and purify the air we breathe, and make a significant strides towards a healthier and cleaner planet. Again, you're not just supporting yourself by eating this way, you're supporting the soil, and you're supporting the air, and you're supporting the planet as a whole. This is a phenomenal company that are doing it right. You can check it all out at EdenHemp.com. That's E-A-T-O-N-H-E-M-P.com and use discount code KINGSBOO for 20% off your entire order. We're also brought to you by UpgradedFormulas.com. Upgraded Formulas is phenomenal. I had Barton Scott, their CEO and founder, on the podcast. He's a great dude. We're actually going to do a follow-up hair mineral analysis, uh, I think, in February after I do a little gut cleanse and metal detox alongside with the five-day fasting mimicking diet I'll be doing uh, with Godzi and this immersive and 30 of you here in Texas. So I want to get my results. We'll do blood work before and after with Ways to Well, but I want to do the hair mineral analysis before and after too because I want to see how effective the metal detox and the gut cleanse is at lowering the aluminum that I have in my body. I'm also going to be doing another one with Bear, and even though he's not going to do the uh, fasting with me or the gut cleanse, he is going to be doing the heavy metal detox with me as well. And um, hopefully we can get those numbers down because aluminum being high is no longer a question mark why. Again, listen to the podcast with Dane Wigington. So check this out. If you're not checking, you're guessing. I've loved that quote for the longest time. And, um, you know, this, this is such an important thing too. There's another, another factor here. If you're like me, you spend a lot of money on supplements each month, and you'd like to know if they work or if they're not working. I mean, I know that's important to you guys, and that's why you got to check your levels. And this will impact performance. It's not just going to tell you how much you're absorbing. It's going to tell you the ratios. This was a critical factor that I didn't think of. Um, if you supplement with a lot of salt or you salt your foods really well, that can be a good thing. If you salt your water, that can be a good thing. If you drink Element, that can be a good thing. If you do all three and you're not getting enough potassium, that might throw you off just a little bit. Um, and without knowing, without checking, you're not going to know that. You might just say, man, I'm fucking tired all the time. What's the deal? And I, that was that way for me. You know, I was salting my water. I was drinking Element. I was salting the shit out of my food. And I was doing saunas. And because I was eating mostly low carb, I wasn't getting enough potassium. 
And um, that really high level of sodium with the low level of potassium can cause adrenal fatigue. It can actually turn the adrenals off. Now, Rob Wolf, who created Element, he understands this. This is what he's saying. If you salt load at night, you want it to shut down the adrenals, but you don't want that during the day. I didn't know any of this until I got with Barton and we checked it out and we were like, oh shit. And he asked me, use an element, using all these other things. He's like, you're eating, not getting any fruits in, you're not getting any potassium in. And I was like, wow. And I made one simple change and my energy shifted dramatically. Not like, you know, my energy field, my aura. I mean, my fucking physical, mental, emotional energy shifted overnight by dropping salt and adding back in um, berries and low carbohydrate fruit. So you may find an imbalance with something that's super important. People take a lot of zinc this time of year to combat uh, viral load and shit like that. And when you take a lot of zinc by itself, that throws down copper. They compete for the same receptor sites. If you figure out you have a copper deficiency and you start loading up on copper, that will throw zinc out. So you really want to find these things in combination. And Upgraded Formulas not only has this hair mineral test, which is phenomenal, they also have a number of high-quality, really uh, convenient and affordable supplements that come in combinations like the Upgraded Memory and the Upgraded Thyroid. You simply add these droplets to your water and um, drink it throughout the day, and bam, there go your mineral deficiencies. So I'm super stoked to be able to see how this has affected me and uh, where my balances are and, and how I can continue to improve. I think this is a test that I'll likely do quarterly this year, and I highly recommend it for you guys. You can get 15% off your first purchase with code KKP15 at checkout. Visit UpgradedFormulas.com and KKP15 at checkout. will get you the 15% off. Last but not least, the hero of the road trip, PaleoValley.com. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I talk about this from the, from the time we rented the RV and we had our trip out to Kingman and the Grand Canyon. Um, I cannot eat enough of these things on the road. They're like candy to me. They, they get me full. They give me energy. There's no bog down. There's no like, oh, fuck, man, I shouldn't have had that. Like every time I eat Paleo Valley beef sticks, I feel better. And it doesn't, and, you know, the true test of something is like, is it going to fuck me up on the way out, right? I like spicy food too, um, to a degree. When it hurts coming out and I can't wash down water on that end, um, that's a problem. And if I have too many dried foods, like dates or normal beef jerky, that has a tendency to, to, to make its way out of my body a little bit harder than it was going down. But I don't have any of those issues with Paleo Valley beef sticks. Their beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many on the market claim grass-fed, but they're actually finished on grains. That's a big no-no for you and for the planet. They use their beef source from small domestic farms right here in the U.S. of A. Glory, glory, hallelujah. They use real organic spices to flavor their beef sticks versus conventional, sprayed with pesticides or natural flavors often made from GMO corn. Boo! They ferment their sticks, which creates naturally occurring probiotics, which are great for gut health. That might be another reason these go down so easy. The 100% grass-fed beef have higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids for inflammation and cognitive function. Uh, vitamins and minerals, fat soluble in particular, glutathione, which is the liver's master antioxidant. This thing is a wonder. Uh, I take injections of this. It's fucking phenomenal. Conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, which is the bodybuilder's fat known to burn fat. Bioavailable protein. They are keto friendly and they're just a phenomenal, great protein rich snack on the go. 
any time of day. I have them with me in my podcast backpack when I travel for podcasts. I have them at the office. I got them at my house. I got them in my in my uh, glove compartment of the truck, and and we have a boatload in the <laughs> apocalypse pantry. If for nothing else, they're just going to be a phenomenal snack when we have friends in town. But 100%, if shit hits the fan, you're also not going to be able to just prep each meal. Sometimes you're going to have to go out and hunt for food. And this is true even if the grid stays up and the world continues as it is. Um, you always want to have something that is super healthy that you can take with you on the go. Check it all out. Paleovalley.com, discount code KYLE for 15% off everything there. Without further ado, a joint podcast with my brother, Mr. Eric Godsey. That would have been a fucking huge mess up if, to not hit record. Gonna, to not hit record. So if you're wondering why we're we're you know in the booth like Troy Aikman and um, <laughs> Daryl Johnston, the Moose Moose Johnston, uh, that's because we're going to record this for my podcast and Mr. Eric Godsey's podcast. It'll be a joint release, and um, we'll get the these turned around quickly. So if you miss any part of this and you want to come back to it later, don't worry. Check out my podcast, Kyle Kingsbury Podcast. Check out Eric Godsey's The Myth That Makes Us. The Myths That Make Us. The Myths That Make Us. Cool. There we go. I moved the S. I jumped. The S is jumped. Good, um, and yeah, so that'll co-release on Friday on both of ours. Uh, pending Roy and my brother Jose can uh, snappy, snappy, quick turnaround, which I think they can. Um, I ramble in the early on of my podcast, but it is this. This is what it will amount to if you skip the ads and all the other shit. And, and really my fantastic expose of the road trip I just finished with Bear. So you want to listen to that. Um, but why we gathered here today and why we're doing this podcast and why we're talking to y'all today. And this is great. We wanted to do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Yes. So we could get active questions because y'all are going to have questions. We got the answers. Hopefully, if we don't, I'll let you know we don't have the answers. Um, and, oh, man, we're going to have to read these quick. I'm doing something stupid, so thanks, bro. Okay, cool. I think that ended well. Um, anywho, uh, we're going to lay out for you guys similar. I mean, how many of y'all, um, I know you're waving right now. Um, how many, can you set, send some hearts if you listen to us on Aubrey Marcus's podcast with the glorious Miss Caitlin Howe and Ob, where we broke down the open source of what Fit for Service is? No hearts. We'll Look, check that. Oh, there we go. They come time. in late. They give us some time. All right, cool. If you haven't, check that out. We really break down open source style, what fit for service is. And we also give a, um, kind of a, a very short intro into what this immersive is all about. And so for people that don't know that need to be caught up, um, check out that podcast to really understand what we're trying to accomplish with fit for service. But the long and the short of it is Fit for Service has, for three years now, gathered a group of like-minded individuals and taken them through the kitchen sink of every practice that myself, Aubrey Marcus, Eric Godsey, and Caitlin Howe have come to understand as best, most transformative things that we can possibly do legally. Y'all know that we're into some other shit. Um, But legally, what are the most transformative experiences that we can go through together that crack us wide open? integrate that afterwards and bring us to a new level of consciousness and understanding that allows us to operate as the best version of ourselves to become fit for service by first serving ourselves and then letting that ripple out to all those we know, our husbands, wives, children, um, coworkers in office space, and then the community at large. And yes, we're at HQ, baby. I'm here with the, in the AM 
office, even though Honored has been sold, this has been leased in the contract to stay under Aubrey Marcus and all of us as well. So podcasts are still done here. Um, I have just realized I haven't posted one to YouTube in a long time. So, yep, still here in the office. What we've changed from last year going into this year is we realized through active feedback and just understanding the people that, um, you know, having trimesters is good, but having them four months, not so good. And the reason for that is the event that we meet up, you know, we teach a lot of things throughout the week. We have ongoing uh, Q&As and weekly challenges in fit for service. And then we have a five-day meetup. Well, the five-day meetup's the fucking whole thing. I had a lot of people... I mean, countless members when they first join are like, wow, I finally get it. Like three weeks in, they're like, I finally get what Fit for Service is all about. And I'm like, hold the phone. You'll understand it after you go to the event. And you'll still come to a new understanding the next event you'll go to. And you'll still come to a new understanding because much like a psychedelic experience, each one of our events is completely unique. We bring in experts from every level, like Paul Check. Paul, or not, not Paul Chick, uh, Paul Selig to channel East Forest to do a guided um, ceremony meditation music. Um, we had Matias Stefano at the last event, Kaya Ra, who wrote the Sophia Code. I mean, people from all walks of life, tantric coaches, breathwork coaches, breathwork experts. Um, and so really those will still stand. But what we found is after that five-day event, people want to stick around to integ- for integration, but but after four or five weeks, there's a drop-off. And so we're going to listen to that, and we're going to shorten that four months, still have the five-day meetup, but in the shortening of that uh, to nine or ten weeks, that creates space. Number one, that gives us time off finally, which we haven't had in three years, which is <laughs> a good, that's a good thing. And, um, and it allows us to, to you know, head into our own cave, head into our own ceremony, and then from there, birth something new. And um, with that, we are also going to be birthing these smaller more, um, how, would, how do you say that? More, uh, not, not, yeah, intimate. That was the word. It was a second. I was like, it's sexual, but it's not sexual. More <laughs> intimate experience, you know? So I get to be first, be in the office guinea pig. I was like, fuck yeah, I've got an idea. I want to put together everything I know, everything I've been teaching for the last three years, and everything, you know, from the masters I've learned from in fighting and in the podcast. And I want to combine those things in one five day event. In, in a way that where we haven't done it before. So I've been teaching people all about fasting and different fasting types, and I'm not the only one. You know, there's fucking everyone and their mom has been talking about fasting. And I've done a few fasts. I've done two five-day water fasts, and I've done one fasting mimicking diet, and I'll break that down in a second. Um, and at the end of each one of these, I did some form of, of medicine. I had LSD after one in Sedona. I had a DMT at the end of one, and then I had Wachuma after the fasting mimicking diet. And what I found was... When you peel the layers back from fasting, um, first and foremost, that goes well beyond the physical. It goes well beyond any positive benefit that you'll find internally, you know, and we look at blood work and things like that, and we're, we're going to do that, and I'll dive into that in a second. Um, there's a whole host of benefits that happen physiologically. The unexpected benefits are that you can see things differently. You think outside the box, problems and uh, things that you've been grappling with for years, you can all of a sudden have intuition and insight on. And with that, that makes the mental emotional improve. And of course, BDNF improves and all the other scientific terms for the, the, what's occurring within the brain. Um, tons of research on that with fasting. But there's a spiritual component to fasting, the original vision quest was four days, no food, no water. Now that takes a high-end person 
to curate that experience. And it's usually done one person at a time uh, out in nature. That's not what we're going to offer. A four-day water fast where you get to drink water all day long for four days, that's also something that's really challenging. I've done it twice for five days. Um, And I think the fasting mimicking diet by Dr. Walter Longo really bridges the gap for people. And what they've found with that, he's he's been on Dr. Rhonda Patrick's podcast. He's kind of done his rounds. Peter Tia might have had him on. Um, He really wanted to bridge the gap for people so that they could still have something each day. You have one shake a day that's about a thousand calories. It's warrior diet style. So it's just at one point in the day, you're not sipping it, trying to just nurse on that thing, spread the thousand calories out. You have the longest fasting window and you still get some calories. Now there's a few reasons this is important. Number one, you're not you know, the, the uninitiated jumping into 30 degree cold water right? You get to bridge the gap a little bit. That's important for all people. It's especially important for women. And the reason is, um, as we found out through ketogenic diets and different fasting windows, that women operate differently. That's the truth. All this, <laughs> all this madness of crowds discussion that I've been uh, harping about on the podcast and on this Instagram channel, and my wife as well, you could throw that out the window when you understand biology. And The truth of the matter is women's hormones want to know there is security, there is safety, and there are all the nutrients necessary to reproduce a child, even if they're not going to get pregnant. When you throw that off drastically, that can have a pronounced effect on hormone levels and your period and your cycle. For months, that can have an issue. Cut carbs too low, that can get rid of a woman's period. Um... Go on any uh, re- really restrictive fast, and that can throw off hormones and cycle for quite some time. So the fasting mimicking diet is a great way to uh, bridge the gap and not throw a woman off for months on end. And of course, um, I'm not a medical doctor, neither is Eric Godsey. I just play one on TV. But we've teamed up. We wanted to make sure that, number one, our asses recovered, but number two, that you got the thumbs up from a licensed professional. So we've teamed up with Ways to Well, Ways Number two, W-E-L-L. I had Brigham Bueller on the podcast. He's FFS alum. He started uh, Ways to Well, which is a telemedicine company. They work with a handful of nurse practitioners, many of which have functional medicine backgrounds, um, many of which have more insight and knowledge on what health actually is than probably 90% of general practitioners. I didn't say that incorrectly. I fucking stand by that. So... We're going to get your blood work done beforehand. That's included in the price tag. And you'll get, instead of a seven or eight minute visit with your general practitioner, you're going to have a 45-minute consult with one of the nurse practitioners who will outline and answer any and all medical questions related to the fast and just to life in general. And that's included in the price. That's included. Um, You fuck your knee up. I fucked my knee up multiple times in football and fighting. And it turns out there are really good peptides that are completely natural that mimic, um, I think uh, BPC-157 mimics, it's the same amino acid structure as gastric juice in the body. You can inject that or you can take it orally. It helps the gut. It helps knees. It helps connective tissue. It's phenomenal stuff. These guys create all that stuff. They have three compounding pharmacies. So you'll have access to everything from them. And um, hormone optimization, they even make their own supplements. And uh, just a phenomenal company that we've brought on board for this because we want you to be checked off medically. We want you to know like, hey, you're good to go. You got green lit. Um, And from there, we can actually start to track. So one of the cool things about the fasting mimicking diet is they found that six months to a year after the fact, after you do this for five days, you have still improved many of the metabolic markers that matter. 
fasting insulin, fasting glucose, hemoglobin A1C. And these are just snippets and snapshots of where you're at currently. They're not the, the holy grail. You, you can learn a lot more with something like a CGM, but this is gonna tell you where, where you're at. It's gonna tell us where you're at. And at any point after the fact, you go and get blood work again with ways to well, you're gonna be able to compare that. It is comprehensive. They give you so much more than uh, insurance would cover. And that's all included in the price. So not your medication, but the blood work and the 45-minute consult will be included. Also included, one of my favorite people on the planet, and the re- I'll dive into the reason for this, is a lady named Emily Fletcher. She teaches uh, what she calls Ziva meditation. And um, you know, many of you have heard of me going through my dark night of the soul with 5-MeO-DMT, which kicked off 17 nights of hell, a ceremony that would not end until Paul Check grounded me. Um, her meditation style is what kept me alive during that, that and having a family. Uh, that, that is not overstating it either. You know, it truly is one of the greatest gifts I received in all of 2020. I think her meditation style, I put it on par with ayahuasca. So it's that important to me, um, having that. And of course, once you know it, you can do it every day. It's more accessible than Aya. Uh, there's no <laughs> recourse for it. It, it. it may be more important than ayahuasca now that I talk about it. But, you know, I've tried everything from apps like Calm and different digital and, and um, you know, binaural beats and, and technologies. And, and I get a lot of that sent to me. I got a lot of that sent to me when I was the office guinea pig and on it. I still get a lot of um, gadgets and gizmos sent. And some of them work very well. Some of them don't. But nothing has stuck with me like Ziva meditation. And even though... Um, Emily is busy. We're not going to be able to have her at this event. We are signing everyone up for her online education, which is lifetime available now. So once you sign up with us, you'll come to the event. For the two weeks leading up to this event, after you get your blood work done, you're going to be practicing that meditation twice a day. Her coaching style is bar none, one of the best ever. It will teach you the how, how to drop into meditation and what to consider a win. And of course, the reframe that you're not trying to become great at meditation, you're meditating to become great at life. So many of these gems she'll drop on you online. And um, again, you know, you've got lifetime access there with, with that meditation practice. And then we're going to walk and everybody someone through. Someone asked to repeat yep. the name of the meditation. It's Ziva Meditation. Z-I-V-A, Ziva Meditation. And her name is Emily Fletcher. She was also a guest on my podcast. Check it out. I try to extract as many gems as possible from her. Um, again, this is open source. So I'm going to give you a lot of this stuff. If you can't make it to our event, look up Fasting Mimicking Diet, Walter Longo, do it yourself. This is the best time of year to do a fast. I mean, I ate like dog shit. <laughs> I had my Paleo Valley beef sticks. That was the healthiest thing I had on the road going to Montana. Bear, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. For the first time in Bear's life, at six and a half years old, he ate McDonald's. First time, first, and maybe the last. Uh, coming back from Colorado, by the time we were ready for dinner, from the stretch from the southern tip of Colorado all the way till Austin, there's nothing but that. And in New Year's Eve, there was fuck no restaurants are open. I was like, uh, it's ice cold outside. It's minus 11. Um, I know we need something hot. Let's, let's, uh, let's get some double quarter pounders with cheese with no buns. So I ate like dog shit, and I'll admit that. Fasting is a phenomenal way to detox the body. And of course, you know, with the green light medically, uh, it's one of the best ways to detox the body. It's one of the best ways to reset metabolism. And it's one of the best ways to eliminate anything unhealthy that you've been putting in your body. Now, 
my unhealthy winter in 2021 was not the same as my unhealthy winter when I was 19 years old. Just, there's no cocaine. There's no, uh, there, there's no pizzas. There's no, nothing nearly as bad. Um, so, so the game has changed a bit, but still, every now and then, we want to reset ourselves metabolically. Mark Sisson, who's a friend and has been on the podcast multiple times, he wrote The Keto Reset Diet. He's a wealth of knowledge. Read that book. It's phenomenal. Um, you know, any strict diet, whether it's ketosis, vegan, uh, carnivore, any of these things, I consider them to be a form of fasting. And uh, while they can be used for a certain period of time for healing the gut or doing different things, they're not meant to be done forever. They're not meant to be done forever. Some people have different styles of eating, and uh, Paul Check links to that, you know, in his book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. You might be a polar type where you do better with heavy fats, animal fats, and things of that nature, and less starches. That's me. Or you might do better primarily on plants and very light animals like chicken and fish and things of that nature. But odds are you do really well with some combination of the two. And anything other than that, I consider to be some form of fasting. That said, you know, once or twice or four times a year, it's a really good idea to reset your metabolism. And we do that by limiting carbohydrates. We Wait, do are that. you telling me that ideology doesn't optimize with our biology because of our evolutionary history? Yeah, there's a story Whoa. that we might have spiritually that, that in fact is counterintuitive to what the meat suit wants. And we see that over and over and over again. And Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, uh, geniuses that I've learned from, Dr. Paul Saladino, the carnivore doc, all of which started as what? Oh, I'm sorry. I was reading the comments. I actually they all started as vegans before they went <laughs> the complete opposite and started adding meat back into their diet. They lost their health through that. Now, I can harp on vegans, but Darren Olean, who's been on the podcast as a vegan, he's fucking jacked. He did 10 pull-ups with a 100-pound vest on on his 46th birthday. He's awesome, and he does really well without eating meat. So it's not to say that um, he's not dialed in. He clearly is. Uh, Rich Roll, clearly dialed in. But for the vast majority of us, you know, it is a personal thing. And still with that, fasting can have tremendous, tremendous benefits for us, especially if we're vegan and we're eating a lot of carbohydrates. It's really good to reset our metabolism quarterly, if not biannually, if not at least at the end of January with the two of us. Gang, gang. So we're going to get to check this out. Um, check it out for yourself if you can't make it to the event. Again, this is open source. Check it out. You're going to do it. Five days, fasting mimicking diet. And um, Ziva Meditation. Ziva Meditation Online. You can access that yourself. Um, we're also going to be jumping in the sauna and a cold plunge every in day. one of our ponds every single day to start the day. So we'll wake up. We'll hit a Ziva Meditation from wherever we're at. We'll all gather at the ranch. And then we just got an 18 kilowatt. I have an 8 kilowatt in my barrel sauna at home, and it gets up to 230 degrees. This is a bigger sauna, so it's probably not going to get to 30, but 18 kilowatt means we've got more power, more power in that sauna to cook our asses and then go and jump into a frigid pond at the end of January in, te in Texas is going to be absolutely legit. It's going to be a legit cold plunge. Um, we'll hit that for three rounds. We'll open up the body with the teachings of my brother Aaron Alexander and Dr. Kelly Sturette, everything that I've learned from them, and of course, you know, if you're Dr. Kelly Sturette, I will be pumping your name and blowing you up and sh 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 becoming a supple leopard, sh sh readystate.com. Um, you can check out all of his work there if you're not making it. Aaron Alexander, Align, what is it? The Align? Method. Align Method. And That's, new, the revision of his book just came out. So Just was... came out. I just did a podcast with him. Um, so refer back to that podcast and then you can see like how do I... 
what is the best operating manual for this meat suit? Um, Because we'll get to practice this stuff day in and day out. We're also going to practice easy strength. Many have heard me just beat that drum over and over again. Uh, Easy strength is my favorite strength book of all time. And I've trained with the multiple, you know, some of the best strength coaches in the world. And I love peak performance training. This is not that. But I think it's perfect. It's perfect for professional athletes. And it's perfect for most people coming off of injuries or having a whole host of other shit to do. You got kids, you got a job, or maybe you're just not that into it. Easy Strength teaches basic movement patterns that are reliable and doable over and over again that leave more energy than when you started. So you're never sore, you're never beat up, and you carry that energy with you into everything that you do. The podcast, the uh, the board meeting, whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> the, the argument with the wife, whatever it is, you have positive energy. You're not dragged limping in there like, oh man, back squats kicked my ass. Um, Cool if you're a powerlifter, not if you've got a lot of responsibilities and other shit to do, and you can only devote a certain amount of time. So we're going to dive into easy strength. We're going to dive into all practices of the body, which bleed into what? The mind, the psyche, the mental, emotional, and then of course the spiritual. And I've brought in my brother, Eric Godsey, specifically for this because journaling is something that I want to get better at. He has a journaling course and I'm like, fucking kitchen sink is the journaling course. And what else would you like to include? And here's where he got giddy. Yeah. So uh, when Kyle offered that he was going to create this, I was like, dude, can I go to this? Like, I want this for me. And then, of course, he said yes. And then I started to dream into, like, what could I offer the people who were going to come here? And the number one thing that I get from my audience that they want from me is a course on essentially how to interpret dreams. Because that's one of the things that I do the most for the people around me. And there's not many good resources out there about how to do it. Um, You know, I come from the Jungian lineage and one of the very clear critiques that Carl Jung has is your dreams cannot be interpreted by an interpretation book because your dreams are symbols. They're not signs. Signs like a stop sign convey a single message. And so you can write down what a sign means. A symbol points to an archetype or an infinite, and it cannot be explained one way. So there is no sign for a symbol. And if you confuse the two, uh, you know, he would probably make fun of you. I don't know how he talks shit because, you know, we don't have any recordings of him shooting the shit with his friends. But um, I believe that we as a culture have gaslit ourselves about the immensity and the importance of dreams. If you feel into it for a moment, there is something inside of you that is so powerful that every night it creates a world so real that 99.99% of all the dreams that you've ever had, you've never realized that it was a dream. And that your dreams sometimes teach you things. If you feel into that for a moment, there is something inside of you that can create worlds that will sometimes teach you things that you don't know. That's a mystery that if you really connected to for even five minutes, it would change your life because most people think that their conscious awareness is the totality of what they are when it comes to their psychological life and that they have free will and they choose things. And that is not the case. That is not the case. That is not the case. There's a little bit of opportunity to express some will, but that's a deeper conversation that we won't get into. But There's no good resources out there about how to understand your dreams. And the really interesting thing is 
the language of dreams is the same language of visions that come with psychedelics. And I think a lot of people misunderstand when psychedelics give them a vision. And this is something that we can get into at some point. But learning how to listen to your dreams will also teach you how to listen to visions that you get in altered states of consciousness. And this is one of the best languages that you can possibly learn if you want to be in alignment with the ancient intelligence inside of you that's trying to guide you in life. And so um, I'll share a quick story. Carl Jung shared a story in his book, um, Man and His Symbols, where he was basically hypothesizing how to have more clear dreams. And he referenced that there was a Native American tribe that had an entire tradition for the chief to follow so that the chief could have, quote unquote, big dreams. And big dreams would be when the chief would have a dream that would guide the entire tribe. And they had protocols. Some of the protocols were you tell the truth. You don't do anything that isn't like a kingly or chiefly action to do. So basically don't be an asshole. Uh, whenever you have a dream, you try to make art from that dream. So you either paint or you create music or you weave something or you go do like a poem or whatever it is, but you try to create from it. And that this was a hypothesis by uh, indigenous culture trying to emphasize having dreams because they felt it was so important that it was, it was a protocol that the chiefs would do. Maybe they were onto something. And so a part of my hypothesis is that everything that Kyle is going to be having us do to clear our physiology is that it's going to open up the channel for our dreams. And so I'm going to do a three-day workshop where in the middle of the day after we've done the hot and cold and we've done the meditation and we've worked out and we went on the land, we're going to gather for about two hours and I'm going to try to distill everything that I've learned and that I know about how to interpret dreams and we're going to actually, like, do it with each other. And my intuition is that it's going to get fucking weird in the best possible way. Because most of us don't have any idea the power that comes from being in community. Period. When you put on top of that a community dreaming together, we don't know what the fuck that looks like. There's a really interesting phenomena that happens in psychoanalysis when the analyst and the patient get into a really good rapport where sometimes one of them will have dreams for the other one because their psyches know that they're sharing dreams. And this is something that I've experienced in my life too. That's also something that if you feel into for even a moment, it's, it's paradigm shifting for like what humans are and what's possible. But so there's some part of the psyche that begins to track if there's someone else actively interpreting its messages and sometimes it will give messages explicitly for the other person. Or at least that's what a lot of people have observed. So my hypothesis is that if we're in the sharing circle every day and we're sharing our dreams with each other, I think some interesting things are going to come up. And at the end of this five-day experience, we're going to do a sound healing journey and you don't need exogenous chemicals to get into a visionary state. And sound healing, especially if you can do something like a Ziva meditation to bring your parasympathetic nervous system online and you feel like you can relax, you can shift the type of brain waves that you're pumping out to move into a visionary space. And the intuition is that everyone is going to get a potent 
message by the end of this that is going to carry them for the rest of the year about how to be. That's the hypothesis that I'm working with. And so this will be the first time ever in my life where I've dedicated trying to teach a group of people everything I know about dreams. And we're going to record it, and it'll be something that we release later for people who can't make it. But uh, there are a couple of spots left. If this is an absolute fuck yes for you, go check out the link. Um, the Fit for Service account can post it. But this is really incredible unique opportunity that i'm super excited for but it will be recorded and so people who can't make it you will get it because we're trying to open source this and this is one of the things that there isn't currently a very good resource yet for it to be open sourced the best that i can offer for people who are interested in this is to start with uh, man and his symbols by carl Jung, and then a book called how to do the work by robert johnson those are the best introductory resources to even begin to understand the immensity and the intelligence that can come through your dreams. But ultimately, you know, it feels kind of egotistic to say it, but the resource that I know that I can make, there isn't something better than that or equal to that out there right now that I'm aware of. So we're going to make it. Boy, go. And you're going to dive into internal family systems. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a great book? What would be the number one book for people to check out if they, they've heard of it but don't know where to go and yeah. they've got some... Um, yeah. Uh, their daemon is calling them <laughs> to learn the IFS system. So what is super interesting about dream interpretation, and this is not something that Jung really tracked. He kind of talked about it um, adjacently, but internal family systems is one of the best psychological systems that I've ever found because it's, it's the single number one psychological system that as soon as I introduce it to someone who has no idea what I'm talking about, their psyche instantly clicks into it and starts to use it in a way where we can have profound breakthroughs within 20 minutes. And they don't have to be taught all these esoteric terms about like, this is the unconscious. This is what sublimation means. No, it works because people get it because it's how our psyches work. And so the interesting thing about dream interpretation is that it naturally teaches you about internal family systems and internal family systems will naturally teach you about how to understand dreams better because the fundamental hypothesis of internal family systems is that you are not a single thing. You are not a single person. There's a great quote by Gurdjieff and it's, man is not singular, man is legion. I love that. But that there's a whole bunch of different characters inside of you that actually argue with each other and have almost like an internal family dynamic. Oh, wait till you get to Children of Dune. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Book three. So, so good. Both he and I have been really excited about listening to the Dune audiobooks. Highly recommend if you want any fiction. It's incredible. But the you're made up of a bunch of parts. All of you have an inner child. And that inner child holds the trauma that your child went through. And I'm going to break it to you. You have trauma. Sorry. Um you also have an internal representation of your mother and your father and the coaches and the teachers that you've had and the good friends that you've had and the lovers and all that shit. And you also might have some internal family parts that resonate with different archetypes. And it's super interesting. But of course, we're going to bring that into the dream interpretation like sauce because it adds to it effortlessly and for a resource. The best one that I would offer, because there's a bunch of books on, on internal family systems, is for people who are brand new to this, 
Go check out Tim Ferriss's podcast with the creator of Internal Family Systems, Richard Schwartz. On that podcast, Richard Schwartz does a live session with Tim. And that's probably the best resource that I have found to introduce people into how this type of thing can work. And that when it comes to books, basically Google Richard Schwartz, go on Amazon, let the algorithms do the work for you. The one that has the best review, just fucking buy that and start there. Sweet. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, as we're going through this, we're going to have, you know, our daily practices that start with the body and the mind and spirit with meditation. And we're going to have uh, our daily shake every day at 4 p.m. And then we'll wish you off. You'll go back to your Airbnb. Um, likely many of you will be staying together and you'll get to, to, to powwow and then enter into the dream state. But you'll have plenty of time to be by yourselves. We'll also have time to integrate on the land where we'll not be in each other's ear, not taking in information, just letting it sit and simmer and digest. At the end of this, we're going to finish with a whammy. We're doing a, uh, a sound healing. And unfortunately, Tina Rodriguez is going to be in Peru. So I think we're going to have to snake uh, Vailana out of, out of her practice or get out of her, her isolation, or we will get somebody uh, on par with her to jump in for that. But bottom line is we're going to finish with a sound healing, which in my opinion is one of the coolest things because um, I've also done a lot of medicine with sound healings and I've had some sober sound healings, but every one of them is powerful. The reason of which is all things are vibration. Um, Paul Chuck talked about this, uh, this book over and over and over again. I finally got it. It's called Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Ishtek Bentoff. And it's brilliant. And they, they really dive into the science of sound and how even light is sound. Everything is light or everything is sound. You can use it as that. Um, when things come into harmony or harmonics, that has a certain resonance with our field. And every part of our being corresponds to the resonance of harmony. So with the resonance of certain hertzes that are tuned with Tibetan singing bowls, we will be able to dive in all together from the fasted state at the very end of our fast and drop in really deep. We will have hape and legal things. If you've got ketamine nasal spray, cool. You're good to do it. Whatever's legal. And uh, of course, um, you know, it's going to be an experience in and of itself, even without altering your state of consciousness. At the very end of that, we're going to have a big ass feast to ground all of that work that we've just done. Uh, we're going to celebrate the fast together. And then afterwards, I'll be doing integration calls with, with each of you individually, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, to really check in and see how everything is coming together and if there's any uh, questions left unanswered. So all of this stuff is available. Fitforservice.com is where you can find out more information. You can sign up there. Um, once you sign up, you'll be given passcodes to Ziva Meditation as well as Ways to Well. You'll get your blood drawn. You'll then take the next steps to set up your appointment with one of the nurse practitioners, and you'll take the deep dive before we even get to you. Then when we get to you, we've got five days together, um, five phenomenal days, and I really, I really can't wait for this experience. I've, I've yeah, personally same. have absolutely <laughs> needed this, not just because I ate McDonald's for the first time in years, um, but because... My intuition has guided me to the point where I know that when I stack all these things together, there's going to be a profound impact. And, um, you know, it's kind of like the podcast. When I started podcasting, uh, I really thought back to the why. Uh, Rogan had invited me to start one, and I laughed and said, yeah, you tell everyone that. Uh, but then I heard Chris Ryan on his podcast, and it had been a while after Chris had started his, tangentially speaking, which is one of my favorites. And he said, 
you know, he first started the podcast for selfish reasons. He wanted to meet all these awesome people that, you know, he had sought after the different masters of different fields and build a relationship with them. And he was going to ask questions that were for him. And in turn, he would share that with anybody who wanted to listen. And that was the secondary. Selfishly first, secondary, he shares that with the masses and it can become a career. And so I, that really struck a, a nerve for me. I was like, oh yeah, I want to fucking learn from all the great people. I want to have a relationship with all these awesome people. And I want to do these things. And, um, and I'll share that secondarily, you know? And so that's really, you know, in the same likeness of what this event is. I want to do all this shit for myself, first and foremost. And I want to be able to share this with dope people. I want to be able to learn from other experts. And I want to share that with dope people. So we've got it capped at 30. I think you've got until January 15th. Uh, 12th. 12th. Till the 12th. You got 12th is the deadline. Check it out, fitforservice.com. Uh, any questions here while we got you guys? We'll read them out loud. Yeah, and a couple of things to add is this is the first time that Kyle and I are going to offer our full days, back-to-back days, ever. Like, like he said earlier, we haven't had a day off because of the way that we've structured Fit for Service for three years. And we haven't had the opportunity to give this type of time to the fucking tribe. And so this is an opportunity to do that. And also one of the things to feel into is if this is something that calls to you and you come, the other people there, like the other people who heard the call and came, there is something about each of them that will change your life if you connect with them. And what we have found through any, any scale of size of group if there's a significant enough energetic barrier to be to be in the container, what we have found is almost everyone will find at least one person that is a life ally for the rest of their life. And it's one of those things where it's so hard to quantify and we don't like doing a lot of the techniques of marketing because it feels weird and we got to work through that. We'll figure it out, especially us two. But that like one of the things that's like unquantifiable is if you find one of your life allies and that doing things like this, especially if there's a strong energetic barrier to enter, it potentiates something. And we've seen this over and over and over again. And it's one of the biggest reasons why Fit for Service is what it is, is because everyone who comes will find a handful of people that become a part of their core inner circle for the rest of their lives. You know, we've only been doing it for three years, so maybe we can't make the claim for the rest hey, of their lives. we got fit for service babies. That's well, pretty damn fucking 100%. close. They're signed up till the end of the game, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... No matter what. I just wanted to articulate that. And so for people who are on this live or hear this podcast on Friday, you guys have until the 12th to move all the way through the application process. It probably takes about two to three days, so really try to get it in as fast as you can because there are a couple of spots left and we're going to cap it at 30. Yeah. That reminds me of the point you brought up there on, on, you know, we are all mirrors for one another. I went to a painting workshop at Paul Check's spot out in Fallbrook. And uh, I think there was maybe 40 of us there and he's, you know, we, we had a, a day to paint and then a day for a breakdown, which really went extra long on the breakdown. They always do. And uh, one of the things he said was pay close attention to every interpretation of the artwork because all of your souls have gathered here for a reason. And you may look at the person's art and think, what the fuck is that? It has nothing to do with me. But the second I start going through it, 
there's going to be something that resonates with you. And that has been true, you know, of, of every psychedelic adventure I've been on that was participated with a group, that has been true in every closing circle of ayahuasca, that has been true of um, every one of our events where we've gone through some transformational and challenging experience together. Some of the breathwork sessions that we've been a part of and guided, um, the interplay and correlation that takes place is mind-blowing, to say the least, um, and the bonding that takes place from that. But I'm guaranteeing that from the challenge of fasting together, from the challenge of the hot and cold every morning together, from the, the bliss of being able to drop into meditation as a group, as one, one being, and then all of the interplay with conversations, the questions that are going to come up to me, the questions that are going to come up to Eric, and the dream analysis that's going to happen as a group, there's going to be so much medicine that gets cross-pollinated between all of us that are there. Synchronicities on synchronicities. You know it. You know it, brother. That's a perfect way to put it. The God nod on the God nod on the God nod. Um, <laughs> I like that. That, that. That's the secret sauce that happens at events like this that really, um, it's hard to articulate. Yep. But it is there. It's palpable. It's a real thing. And it is a part of the deal. It's just a part of any any great experience. Um, it's almost like, like we that. are like the cells in the body and that we're meant to be in coherence with each other to do a larger thing, like create a conscious entity. But because in the same way, when a cell breaks down enough metabolically where it can't communicate with other cells, it starts to run a cancerous program where it maximizes its own growth at the detriment of the host. That we're like that too, because it's almost like as above, so below. And because we're made up of cells, maybe we are a type of cell to the earth. And that when you get into coherence with a community, a magic comes through. And that's what we're trying to do. Oh, let's go. All right. Check it out. Fitforservice.com and uh, the Myths That Make Us podcast, Cal Kingsbury podcast. Love, love, love. Well, and for the people here, let's give them some time to oh, ask Oh, yeah. Let's questions. do a little Q&A. Uh, can you explain the sentence in your own words? Love demands the illusion of separation. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Um, Kyle and I have a unique brotherhood in the fact that out of everyone we know, for whatever reason, our souls see to it that we have to go through what we call the hell initiation. And it's essentially you can get to a place in an altered state of consciousness where you grope an aspect of the truth of true unicity. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain this in a way where it doesn't sound like we're fucking insane, but I am under the hypothesis that the ultimate expression of this, of the thing that we try to represent by the word God is that it's everything forever, which is eternity or infinity. And that thing has no boundaries. If something has no boundaries, there is no other. And if there is no other, there's no relationship. And if there is no relationship, there actually isn't love. And this is something where the Greeks had like six different words for love. We have one word for love. And when I say love, there will be people who misunderstand what I mean. But the type, the possibility for relationship to the other is gone. And there is a loneliness that is hard to articulate, that is soul shattering on some level. For whatever reason, Kyle and I's soul is like, you got to experience this. And it's not something that the people that we're close to have to go through. And that um, the main thing or one of the things that I take away from that is a deep appreciation for the illusion of separation. Because the illusion of separation allows me to be a leader, a brother, a father, a lover, a friend, a helper, and that without the illusion of separation, 
consciousness doesn't get to experience that aspect of reality. And my reality tunnel is at the highest level, like at the broadest spectrum of analysis of what experience is, is that it's God breathing. And on the exhale, that's all the separation going as far as as it can possibly know until it knows itself. And then that's the inhale. When all the things in the exhale know itself as God, the game's over. Or that version of the game. But the infinite game is that God breathes, period, forever. And it's kind of terrifying whenever I really feel into it. And we can't talk about it too much. But so that's what comes up for me that uh, love demands the separation or the illusion of separation. Yeah, I think that the the piece that I'll add to on that, because I 100% ding, 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 down the line with what Eric just said, is um, we had an experience with ketamine and cannabis where I went straight back to the center. So I'll, I'll describe God in two places. It's non-binary, obviously, but um, at the very center of God is just one. And that shatters all ego, that shatters... Um, <laughs> all it, it, it exposes the illusion of separateness. It exposes the game that we're playing as completely meaningless. And uh, especially when one grapples with eternity, if you fully understand eternity, that the game is, is infinite in nature and that time doesn't exist. Um, any decision that I would make in this lifetime is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Everything will happen eventually. Everything likely already has happened. And in the multitude of infinity happening all at once in the now, it's all happening right now. Um, and with that, that takes off all pressures, but it does so to a point where it, it takes away all meaning. Out at the fingertip of God, on the outskirts of God's body from the center, which is where we operate, um, at, at the bleeding edge of God guiding itself. God, he told me that once, at the bleeding edge of God guiding itself, where we are deep in the illusion of separation, this is the only way for God to know itself. Uh, Paul Check is one of my dearest heroes and mentors. He wrote the book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. He also did an ebook, The Last Four Doctors You'll Ever Need. Constantly talk about these. He's also writing a new book, and it's on God. Can't give the title away. Uh, he's been sending me chapter by chapter, and it's utterly mind-blowing. And I think it really will illuminate a lot for people. It's helped me alchemize the dark night of the soul. And, you know, I bring that up because all of these things in tandem, as I experienced the Godhead on ketamine and cannabis, it was as deep as 5-MeO-DMT, but then I could open my eyes and command myself to come back to the fingertip of God. Mm. I was in the room. I had a body. I could breathe into that body. And because I could oscillate, it started to diminish the fear of being stuck as only one entity imagining everything because the first rule in the Kabbalion is this is the substance of mind. All is mind and the mind is all. So if I am the physical representation of God's dream, um, that's neither good nor bad. As much as I want to say, that fucking sucks. This is imaginary. This is the illusion. It's like, no, this is the greatest game ever invented. It's the fucking coolest thing. It is a simulation and it's so rad. It's the only way for God to know itself by splitting itself up into an infinite number of micron, micro-sized things into an infinite number of Voltron built cell upon cell into conscious entities that can figure out and remember, wait a minute, I'm that thing. Oh, wait, I'm the whole thing. Holy shit. Alan Watts was right. Holy shit. Wait a minute. I can't say that. That's blasphemous. Wait a minute. Holy shit. 
wait a minute, none of this matters. And then it's like, oh, but it does matter. We are the thing. We are the gods, little g, that gives big God, big G, meaning. We give the meaning to God's experience through our experience. And it's quite likely that in the timeless dimension, all that could be known, all that could be thought has already been thought and known. This is where we come to experience that. And love is a big part of that equation. It might be the secret sauce that makes us want to say yes to coming back over and over and over again for eternity. So I have gratitude for that. I have gratitude for the depth of the game that we're in. And, um, and it's loosened the fear that I have around being in the center of God. And the metaphor that I would offer to layer on top of that is one of the very useful tools to have as a psychonaut or someone exploring altered states of consciousness where they have a gnosis of this type of truth is the level of analysis that you choose to tell the story from can be, it can be different truths at different levels and to learn how to oscillate between different levels is a part of the art of being the instrument that is a human nervous system. And so there is a level of analysis where there is no meaning. And that is true. And there is also a level of analysis where everything has meaning. And that is also true. And to be able to move through the, it's almost like a camera zooming in at its lens and zooming out of its lens, be a dope, fully known camera that has the ability to zoom in and zoom out. A camera is broken if it's zoomed all the way in and it can't zoom out or if it's stuck all the way out and it can't zoom in. And that we fundamentally are instruments. Our nervous system is the most complex, intelligent, known instrument in the known universe. And one of the things, how I see my life is I'm trying to learn how to play this instrument with the finite little speck of time that I have with this specific instrument to play the most beautiful song. And I really think that's what our dharma is, that each of us are born with a specific song that wants to come through the type of instrument that we are and that the point of a song is not to get to the end. The point of the song is not to figure out why the song is songing. I would make the argument that the point of the song is to dance. Like the point of a song is to connect to it as such that it moves you. And that's what, that ultimately is what I come back to is like God in the middle. It's the whole thing forever. It terrifies the fuck out of me and it doesn't care whether or not I think it's a good idea. It is. It is. <laughs> and I'm in this body and I know what it feels like to help people. I know what it feels like to make good art. I know what it feels like to love and to dance and to sing and to hug. So I'm going to fucking juice that instrument and enjoy and savor it while I have it. There's a, there's a point in the movie of Dune where he has a dream and it's of the, um, one of the Iraqian uh, people that he, he ends up having conflict with. I won't spoil it for anybody. But in that, he describes life as a process. And the more we say yes to the process, a verb, right? The more we say yes to that process, the more we step into the rhythm of life. And that it's not a noun, it's not a single point, it's not single point after every point, it's not now, 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 it simply is. And when we step into the isness of that being, that's when we surrender to the flow of life. And um, 
I think the more we practice and add tools to our toolbox, the easier that becomes, the easier it becomes to get out of our heads and into our bodies. And then the mind, um, it, it can become the servant instead of the master, right? It's a terrible master, but a great servant. If you can teach it to become the servant and sit in the passenger seat when you have access to these tools and when you go through these rites of passage. And we're going to do that together. What else we got? Uh, so the first question after this one was, um, will I ever do a podcast with Paul Check? Yes, it'll happen when it's meant to happen. Can't wait. And then the question after that was, did I freak out at the beginning of Dune when they said that dreams are messages from the deep? You goddamn right. I yelled out loud in the movie theater every time I saw it. Um, and then the third question is, how do you know you were called into parenthood slash child spirit guidance? Maybe that's for you, Dad. <laughs> I said, Dad. <laughs> It's okay, son. You know, um, how do I know? How did I know I was called? Well, I always wanted kids. I mean, that was, that was something that was fairly, it was a non-negotiable. I didn't know, like, uh, you know, you, you watch when Harry met Sally, I think it was when Harry met Sally or maybe it was forget Paris. One of those Billy Crystal movies, maybe it's forget Paris where, um, they go over the little things like, hey, you squeeze the toothpaste from the top. I have to squeeze it from the bottom. Now I need you to squeeze from the bottom if this is going to work. And they agree on that. And they agree on all the small stuff, but none of the big stuff. The big stuff for me in any relationship was that I knew it didn't have to happen now, but it has to happen at some point. I'm having kids no matter what. That through, was through every cell of my body since I was little. Um, I didn't rush into that. You know, I had Bear, my firstborn, when I was 33, Two years after my dad did, my mom was pretty young when she had me. My grandparents were fucking super young. I think that's true for a lot of our grandparents. Uh, granddad was 20. Grand Nana was 19 when they had my dad. He was the firstborn in their, their family. Um, the spiritual side of that came through ayahuasca. And many of you heard me talk about this. My, my, third, my third time sitting with the medicine was Natasha's second. And in closing circle, she was talking about her experience. And she said that she had a vision where she was holding me, holding a child. And I, I was like, fuck, hey, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I had the exact same vision. And I had read about this in The Cosmic Serpent um, by Jeremy Narby that you could have shared visions in ayahuasca. I'd never experienced it. And obviously, three ceremonies in. It's not like, oh, so many ceremonies. <laughs> yeah. This never happened. I was fucking as green and as rookie as it gets. Still green. And, um, and, you know, in that experience, it was like, holy shit, you know, but it was just a child and it was like, wow, all right, we're living in my mom's garage. Uh, I'm making shit money in the UFC. I'm working at a titty bar at the, at, you know, at nighttime, bouncing and bartending. I have no hope in sight for a better life. And I'm showing I'm going to be a dad. And I was like, all right, cool. We're not married. None of our ducks are in a row, whatever. A month later, we sat at the same ceremony um, at a Native American reservation with my, my, my first coach, my boxing coach, and Maestro Huitzi, who passed on. Huitzilin means the hummingbird in Mayan. And uh, he, you know, we, we went back through the ceremony, and, and again, we shared the same vision, except now I saw it was a boy. And I was like, what the fuck? And I started thinking about that, all the fear of not having a 401k, not having medical insurance, um, making shit money in the UFC, knowing that, that I likely wasn't going to become champion and, and, you know, open up a gym and make a bunch of money with that as a career and not really wanting to having any idea of what I was going to be when I grew up after that career and all that fear welled up. And then I realized, wait, that's what everyone else says. There's no perfect time to have a kid. And it just 
It just moved away from me. And in that movement, I had space and clarity, and I realized, like, fuck, we're going to have a son. And I remember then just thinking that, like, I I remember asking, uh, I remember asking, are you here? And I could feel the presence of his soul. And he just said, hey, dad, I'm going to be your son and my name will be Bear. And that was it. No more questions after that. I didn't need any more. And we had him a month later. You know, it was just like, like that. You know, we had pulled the goalie a long time ago, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it was like one of those things where like we weren't getting pregnant. You know, I have, I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. I didn't, I didn't think I could get pregnant, get her pregnant. And um, men can't get pregnant, by the way. I know there's some <laughs> debate these days. I know there's a little bit of debate with the emojis. Uh, men can't do it. But. Um, yeah, so Bear came like that, you know, and I didn't need all those other things. We had him at Stanford Hospital. And about a year later, I started asking about my daughter, who I didn't know was going to be my daughter. I thought it was going to go boy, boy, girl. I kept having visions of three. And, um, uh, you know, this presence came to me, and I saw all pink. And I was just started bawling. And I, and I felt this, and this was in the void. It was like pitch black. And I could feel the presence of another soul. And the soul said, I'm going to be your daughter. I'm coming next. My name is Wolf. And I was just blown the fuck out of the water. She took four more years to come. (laughs) I learned a lot. I learned a lot about um, what she was requiring as a soul from us, you know, from, from, from Bear, from me and Tasha's parents. And those were different requirements than Bear had. You know, Bear said, fuck it, let's go. Let's go right now. I don't care if we're in a garage and you don't know what you're going to do later. Um, He wandered in and he came in right when he needed to. And I started, you know, at that point, thinking of the stars and the interconnectivity of the cosmos as above, so below, and the divine timing of all things. And it's funny, like I had an ayahuasca session where the entire roof opened up. And I could see the stars. Okay, I was in a house. The whole roof moved and I could see the stars. And I saw Orion's belt and then it fucking spun. And I recognized, I, I was like, oh shit, I don't know what these stars are. Hmm. And I asked about that. And there was no confirmation of like this constellation is here and this is what it is. But it was, it was showing me that that did matter. It did matter where the planets were. It did hmm. matter where the moon was. All of that fucking mattered. And that went counterintuitive to everything I believed at the time. I mean, fucking every nerve in my body was like, what the fuck are you saying right now? No chance. But I understood it. I remembered it. And, uh, you know, Wolf came on a full moon on 4th of July, Mm. 2020, smack dab in the middle of the greatest clusterfuck humanity has ever seen. And there could be no doubt that that was perfect timing. That was divine timing. And, um... You know, she she put us through the ringer getting her to come here. She wanted to come in a very specific way. And if you've listened to my podcast over the years, you've likely put two and two together. But um, that to me has been one of the greatest teachings that I've had from medicine is the interplay with 3D reality. And it's not just the cool vision that I have. It's, it's how that actually manifests in my life. You know, reading Dune... Uh, they call it prescience, you yeah. know, where, where one can entertain the idea of vi- 
viewing one possible future yep. and selecting one possible future and bringing that in. Like, um, uh, who was it? The, the, was it the New Zealand or the, the Pacific Islanders that would set a course and then pull the island to them where they were tracking, right? So uh, Joe Dispenza talks about that as well in, our, in the manifestation courses. I would see that future and I would fucking create it. And I did whatever was necessary to make that future come into being. And uh, I would continue to ask, what is needed? What is needed of me? What is needed of her? What is needed from us to bring um, this future into being? And I have seen the future many times, many times, and in different ways than that as well. And they've all come to being. Maybe it's, um, what is that self-fulfilling prophecy? But I see it ahead of time and it fucking happens. So that's pretty cool. I mean, hopefully I don't wind up like Paul Atreides. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that is a possibility. That's one of the reasons why I can't stop listening to Dune. I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's real. That's real. That's yeah. real. Um, so that's fantastic. We got any other questions? Yeah, um, we're at the hour. I'll just offer my answer to that, and then we'll close this out. Um, I have not yet had a direct vision about being a father, but ever since I can remember, I know that I've wanted to be a father. And um, the way that I feel into this is that uh, who here has seen the movie Don't Look Up? Highly recommend, Kyle, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. I was going to watch it last night after so, reading Nob's breakdown of it. So good. Um, <clears throat> We have existential risks facing us as a humanity. And if we do not solve these problems, the likelihood of us extincting ourselves in the next 100 to 400 years is probable. And that to address the existential risks, it's going to take a multi-generational effort. And the linchpin, the key, is literally the children. And so if whatever you're doing in the world, get them, whatever you're doing in the world, if it is not taking into account how this will benefit the next seven generations, I would assert that you're not at your highest level of service and that I am constantly trying to improve my competence and my creativity and my visionary capacity to serve in a way that benefits the next seven generations. And so on some level, anyone who is truly answering the call to be as of service as they are capable of being in this, life, in this lifetime, they are holding the archetype of the parent. Like there is no way to do this where you don't think about the children and the children's children and their children. And so... Uh, you know, what we're trying to do at Fit for Service is really our best attempt at trying to create a community and an ethos for a community and the actions that that community does to be at the highest level of service to a culture that has forgotten that fundamentally it's about being in alignment with mother nature. And if we don't fix some of the very big things that are going wrong in our culture, uh, our children won't have children who can drink water or breathe the air. And this doesn't give anything. Well, actually it does kind of give some shit away, but there's a quote at the end of don't look up. And I want to be able to live my life or at the end of my life. I get to say that quote too and mean it. And I'll, I'll take a page uh, from Paul check as I often do. Um, check out his YouTube video. Why Kings kill their children blow your fucking mind, but he outlines the archetypes. 
Yeah, well, it outlines the archetypes of the child, the warrior, the king, queen, and the wise elder. That's dope. And he breaks those down as, and of course, there's many interpretations of these archetypes, but the child he gets comes, it. Comes, he gets in, it. <laughs> comes into the world. Um, the child comes into the world, you know, suckling for mom's teat, give me, give me, give me, mine, mine, me, my mine, and wants everything to secure its own survival. As a warrior in adolescence, it finds something worth fighting for. And if it truly steps into the warrior, it finds something worth dying for. It sees the cracks and the breaks within the system and says, I'm willing to die for freedom. I'm willing to die for X, Y, and Z. And from there, we move into the king-queen archetype, which is really our, and this is where it differs some from King Warrior Magician Lover, but the king-queen archetype simply is mastery. It's self-mastery. It's mastery in our work and our job and our responsibilities. And it's where we create abundance. It's where we create wealth. It's where we get the car, the mansion, the everything we wanted, and we say, mm, that's not it. When we move from that piece into the wise elder, it's when we realize the game is about giving and we start to give and share everything we've accumulated. And more than the money and the cars and the house, we share our wealth of knowledge. And from there, we are the elder rather than the older. And if we look out in society right now, we see a lot of people that were duped on the American dream who uh, worked you know, 50 fucking years at the same job and uh, they go through the midlife crisis, they think they've got it figured out, and then they realize, no, that's still not it. Something's still missing. When we come to the place of service, we realize that's where the sauce is. And it doesn't take becoming the wise elder to get to that point. We can share along the way when we come to that understanding at an early age. And the sooner we come to that, I think that's now a requirement that we don't wait until we're old people to decide to give back, that we understand if I can cultivate my best life right now, that puts me in a position to be of service, and that is being fit for service. Gang, gang. I love you, dude. Gang, gang. I love you, brother. How are y'all? And I love you guys. Mike Katz, I see you on there. My boy, AZ. <laughs> Bay Area, Charles Clay. All right, love you Get guys. Up. Thanks for tuning in, and we're out.